Welcome to Why Though. We're your hosts, Tiffany Bloom and Ashley Abercrombie. We land somewhere in between Mother Teresa and Biggie Smalls, and we're just wondering, why though? We all have questions, from our existential crisis curiosities to our, hey girl, why your eyebrows look so good though? And we want to tackle all of those questions with you. And welcome back to Why Though. We are so pumped you are tuning in with us. Because guess what, people? It's May. We're in a new series. There's so much to think and do. You mm-hmm. know what? May, I live in the Pacific Northwest, y'all, and it is starting to get warm. So just Yay. a little shout out to May. I know. It's I'm already so probably you probably you. already had some 80 degree days in Los Angeles County. I'm imagining you have. Oh, too many. Yes. I'm already sweating too to many. death. I'm like, Summer, oh. we're not ready. Go away. <laughs> oh, remember that remember that heat wave you had last year? Uh-huh. Yes, ma'am. I'm sure it will be back. Yes. Oh gosh. Well, everyone, you are in for such a treat. We brought in the big guns as we are on this dating and relationship series. We brought in the one and the only Dr. Julie Slattery. And if you are not familiar with her work, I'm just going to give you a little, little bit about that before she joins us. And she is a clinical psychologist, author, speaker, president, and co-founder of Authentic Intimacy. She earned her college degree at Wheaton, what, what, master's in psychology from <laughs> Biola, and an MS and doctorate degree. So she's just been in school, guys, uh, in clinical psychology from Florida Institute of Technology. And she served at Focus on the Family, 08 to 2012, writing, teaching, co-hosting the Focus on the Family broadcast. In 2012, she left Focus to start Authentic Intimacy, ministry devoted to reclaiming God's design for sexuality. She's the author of 10 books. Let's just stop there. I'm sorry, 10 books. And that's at a 50,000 word count, that's a 500,000 words she's published. Yes, half a million. It's amazing. Half a million. Oh my gosh, when you say it like that. And she's host of the popular podcast, which we will definitely link to. Mm-hmm. It has been a blessing to me, especially my in favorite. the last year. Java with Julie. Julie and her husband, Mike, are the parents of three sons, three sons, and they live in Ohio. Now, off the air, we asked Julie if she would like to record a podcast for <laughs> Ashley and I on Raising Boys, because between <laughs> us, we have Five boys. Five? Mm-hmm. No, four boys. Four boys, yeah. Well, apparently, we're adding another one. Uh, I don't know. We need a bonus child. So. Well, I don't know. I'm not getting pregnant again, so if it's anybody, it's you, sister. <laughs> okay. Well, we buttoned that up a minute ago, so yeah. I don't know, girl. I don't know, girl. But Dr. Julie is truly the GOAT. She is here yes. to school us. And here's, I just want to say, and I know Ashley feels this way as well, the way Dr. Julie talks with such compassion yeah. and empathy and honesty, yeah. and it's it's not judgmental. It's just so beautiful. Instead of all these don'ts, it's like, how beautiful can intimacy and connection be? It gets me yeah. excited to have authentic intimacy. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Dr. Julie. Well, thank you. That was quite an intro. You make you make me tired just reading the bio. So it really just means I'm old. <laughs> I had time to do all those things. I don't know. Five hundred thousand words, a half a million. Again, that slaps yes. harder. So half a million words, girl. Yes. You've been. Uh, I don't. I mean, I'd be tired too. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I think the three boys are more tiring though. Listen, oh. they are. I, Cody and I always laugh because in quarantine. Um, you know, he he would he, he was here all the time for the first time, and he's like, "Babe, 
these kids are so exhausting. And I'm like, I yes. know I told you when you come home from work and act like you were so tired. I'm like, are you kidding? You're not yeah. tired. <laughs> you no, had I coffee with, with adults. Even if you had to talk <laughs> about right. hard things, yes. you got to sit upright with adults. Yes. Did you wipe anyone's butt today? No, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Did you break so up a true. fight today? The amount right. of fights you break up. My gosh. <laughs> oh. Okay, out of curiosity, Dr. Julie, I know we're here to talk about intimacy, but what are the ages of your sons, the the age difference between all of them? Well, yeah, they are, um, the oldest two are pretty close together. They were about 21 months apart. So right now oh, they're wow. 20, yeah, they're 24 and 22. And then we have a four-year gap and our youngest just turned 18. Oh, there you wow. go. There you go. Yeah. I have a four-year gap, too, after having them back-to-back. I can see that. I can see that. (laughs) Close up shop for a minute. Restock, yeah. It it wasn't the way we had it planned, but it worked out. Right. (laughs) There you go. There you go. (laughs) Oh, we're so glad, Dr. Julie, for who you are. And why don't you tell us, because authentic intimacy, truly, when I met you, um, our, our mutual friend, Harmony, introduced us and gosh I just I fell in love with your podcast it's one of the few that I listen to almost every time it comes out because I love it so much it is it has greatly enriched my life and my mm-hmm. way of thinking so why don't you tell us why did you start authentic intimacy what where did that seed yeah. start and what have you learned through this process yeah well thank you for those words and please feel free to call me Julie um, but man I started the ministry because I just had this incredible burden for the brokenness that women were carrying around sexuality. Mm-hmm. And I was in ministry, I was in counseling, working with women in marriages individually, and then working at Focus on the Family. I knew that there was good stuff that was being done. But I went through about a year um, just personally of just real like intense intimacy with God. Mm-hmm. And through that season, he just broke my heart for the sexual pain and confusion and brokenness that I felt like I was seeing everywhere. And Mm. that um, Christian resources were just kind of not even touching it at all. Like we might mention it, but there was not practical help. Um, And in some cases, Christian resources were actually providing more confusion and more shame. And so um, my heart was just broken um, for this unspoken pain that was just so ignored. And so it's really been a faith step ever since then, just trusting that if God called me to something, he's going to equip me for it. And Mm -hmm. um, I'd say at least once a month, maybe that has to do with what we experience once a month as women, but (laughs) at least once a month, (laughs) I, I get nervous and feel overwhelmed. And so I'm always in that place of just needing to depend on God. Um, because these topics are are very difficult, and mm-hmm. it's easy to um, to approach it in a posture that would hurt people. And so I'm just always dependent on God's wisdom. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, it is absolutely. Um, I I think when I think of sexual brokenness in women, I I want to just stop and agree with you. Sometimes the resources um, they don't dive deep enough, or they don't connect all the dots. I feel like yeah. it isolates um, sexual brokenness from just how it affects the rest of their life and how it affects right. their relationships and how it affects their view of God and others and how they see themselves. And so having this holistic view and understanding that there's freedom and wholeness for for women, I think is just so, so powerful. Um, both Ashley and I have been impacted by that. And, and so many of our listeners, it's hard to mm-hmm. meet a woman who hasn't had 
or felt broken um, in this area of their lives. And so it's just so beautiful to know that you're doing the work. So again, I just want to say thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's uh, I, I think one thing we don't realize when you walk through it, you see it in your own life, but you don't see it in other people's lives. Like you said, Tiffany, it's, it's almost like a plate of spaghetti. Every noodle touches every other noodle. Yeah. Right. And so you can't just say, well, I have sexual trauma in my past and that's compartmentalized or uh, I was betrayed in my marriage and that's compartmentalized or, you know, I have all this shame from my past. It impacts everything, your view of God, your view yeah. of relationship, what you think intimacy is, uh, your view of yourself and your freedom. And so uh, I think, uh, it, particularly since a lot of the, the teaching has come from men, men tend to compartmentalize things a lot more mm-hmm. than women do. And so, um, you know, that's just part of my heart is recognizing that we are not categories of brokenness. You know, <laughs> we are people that, that have walked this journey and experienced pain and the enemy messes with us in this area and it really does impact a lot of our lives. Yeah. yeah. It's so true. I think often about this because I I think growing up, I really had no sense of integration. Like I did not know how to integrate my mind with my heart and with my body. So I very often spent so much of my life trying to divorce myself from my body and divorce Mm -hmm. myself from my heart or my mind, given whatever situation I was in. And I felt like when I became um, a strong Christian and joined like an evangelical church, I found that to also be true, that there wasn't a sense of integration, that there was this sense that, um, you know, my spirit, I need to take care of my spirit, man, but I need to take care of my body. But really that's only related to health and fitness. And then I need to take care of, you know, my mind, but that's like learning and growing. And there was no sense of sort of integrating everything together. And what do you think about that? Have you experienced that to be true? And what, what do you, how do you think that we're able what is a way we can begin to integrate those things together? Since, as you both said, they both, you know, sexuality mm-hmm. impacts every area of our life. You know, how do we yeah. do better at integrating? Yeah, I think that's such a critical question uh, because, first of all, being a Christian is a call to integration because right. it's love, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And so it's every part of us together striving towards what is it to, to love God and receive His love. Um, but even in terms of when we talk about wholeness, the word integration is so key mm-hmm. because when we have pockets of pain or brokenness, the way that our mind protects itself is to disintegrate. And uh, short term, that can be really helpful where you, you're not fully aware of what happened during a trauma, for example. Right. And so you kind of split that experience or memory off from the rest of how you see yourself. Or you might do that if you did something that you're just ashamed of and you don't want to think about. It's too painful. You just kind of put it in a little box and you know just store it away. But what starts to happen is the more disintegrated we feel, the more we feel like, wow, I don't even know myself and our behaviors mm. are working out of different parts of ourselves. And we feel like there's certain categories of our life that God speaks into and that mm-hmm. he heals. And there are other categories of life where he really doesn't speak into and heal. Mm. Uh, like a lot of Christians have never prayed about their sex life. Right. And, and this is even including Christian married couples. They, mm-hmm. they never think to pray about sex because there's that feeling like sex is a category that doesn't jive with God. And, um, and so I think that's a, a call in every area to integrate our mind, our body, our soul, but also to look at what are these areas of my life that I feel like 
either are too dirty or too personal for God to speak into. Mm-hmm. And to the extent that we do that, we, we're going to experience um, just not feeling complete, not feeling healthy, having aspects of our life where we do feel divided. And so that's a big part of our maturity is learning that integration. Mm. Um, can I ask a question? Do you feel like because, especially during the purity culture movement, so many churches, especially to their youth, didn't really hone in on healing? It was more of like, just don't, don't do something dumb. And so yeah. there was this narrative of like, don't, 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 rather than right. just basic education, but also, hey, if this has happened to you, if Uncle Don took advantage of you, you know, like there yes. wasn't room to oh my goodness, come yeah. with or come with their shame and exchange it for grace. Mm, I yeah. think that's, you know, after writing Pray Tell, I was just inundated, and Ashley knows this, with just letters of women sharing their story of what happened in their home or what happened in their church. And, and they finally got the courage to speak up right. and they were blamed for their sexual brokenness. Um, and, and, if, and we're talking about when they were much younger, little girls, and how that just, it just turned them off to God. And so as made me think of it when Ashley's talking about this integration, I think that there's room for our places of faith to begin to to walk us through and disciple us into this integration because I think like you said I don't know that we would naturally do that on our own even though the scriptures invite it but to not only swing the pendulum from don't don't you know yeah <laughs> don't do something dumb to hey if there's been brokenness in your life you are you let, let's find some healing for that I think I think churches have, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm broad stroking here, so forgive me, mm-hmm. but I think course, we've, yeah. we've really, really done such a disservice. Even I, I was the girl who played by all the rules and did and the bride wore white and kissed dating goodbye, did all the things at the, you know, several mm. purity rings because I kept losing them when I washed my hands at the public bathroom. And it still <laughs> was like, but I can't tell that this happened to me when I was a little girl or I can't mm. do this. And so I just had to try to look like it was all together rather than doing the deep work. Boy, that's insightful. Uh, you know, I think the purity message in and of itself forced that disintegration, not mm. only in your situation or in a situation where there's been harm or abuse, but essentially it was saying deny your desires, right. deny your passion, deny your right. femininity. And we found that even when women got married in that purity message, what happened is they couldn't reintegrate being a sexual person, the goodness of sexual desire. And so even as a married person, they're like, okay, what does it look like now? Is it just meeting my husband's need? And I feel weird about being a sexual person because Mm -hmm. growing up, I was hearing not that sex outside of marriage is bad, but sexual desire and drive and being sexual is bad. Yep, 100%. um, Yeah, so I think it it really was this message of it's all about self-control, it's all about obedience, it's all about pleasing God without integrating the deeper questions of why does God care about this area of my life in the first place? And how does the larger message of the Bible, how does God's love and the gospel story integrate with my sexuality, with my sexual brokenness? And so a lot of the work that we do at Authentic Intimacy is helping reintegrate the larger message of the story of God into a woman's sexuality. So it doesn't feel like this really legalism that is split off from a woman's relationship with the Lord. Mm. I love this because, you know, I think pleasure is such a big deal 
And it is yeah. a it is a god godly thing. And I remember before, you know, really learning some of these more um, moral tenets of the church, which I didn't know till I was maybe in my mid twenties, and mm-hmm. then kind of recognizing like, wait a minute, but pleasure was such a good thing before I got here, sexually specifically, even before I was married. You know, all the things that you're not supposed to do. And I remember having to like unlearn some of that stuff after coming back to the church and thinking basically what you said, desire, like denying my desire, but that also meant denying pleasure. And then I began to feel guilty about feeling pleasure. And that does not work in marriage. And that does not work for your sex life because, you know, pleasure is a good thing. It's a God thing. Like God created Mm. sexuality to feel like pleasure. It is something that we can enjoy, not something that we perform or something that we do out of duty. And a lot of people call Rob Rob Bell a heretic. And I'll tell you something, that book, Sex God, changed my life because he talked Mm. so much about this. He talked about integrating sexuality and body and, you know, um, healing. And I, I recognize everybody on the spectrum theologically about what they believe. And I totally understand that. But just that book felt like such a gift to me because he addressed that. And it felt so good to hear somebody say that pleasure is okay, that desire is okay, that it's God-given. And in a way that actually helped me walk out of addiction. And it actually helped me walk out of sexual circumstances that were not God's best for me because I needed to know that on the other side of it was not just like duty and obligation, but was actual pleasure and desire and connection. And I feel like that is so important for women to understand because we've been taught that our desire serves men, um, that our desire serves others, that pleasure is for other people, not for us. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't even just trickle down into our sexuality. Sometimes that can be in how we take care of ourselves or what we allow ourselves to experience. You know, uh, women very often like a guilty pleasure, having a piece of chocolate it's like or you could just eat a piece of chocolate like why does this have to be a guilty pleasure and we hate ourselves for it like how did this happen so I feel like it's it connects to food it connects to sexuality it connects to our being and anyways I just I appreciate this conversation because I do feel like there are probably so many women listening who have suffered under that shame or that sense that pleasure is bad and you know desire is bad and it's actually not can you talk a little Mm -hmm. bit more about that Sure. Yeah. I don't think this is a modern problem. I think it's a human mm-hmm. problem mm-hmm. Um, that we don't know how Agreed. to think rightly about pleasure. And, right. um, and so it begins with the idea that God created pleasure. He created desire and um, temptation or sin is when we want to get legitimate desires and needs met in an illegitimate way. And I think that's yes. so important to understand that there are pathways that God gives us to address our needs, to address our desires, to experience pleasure. Uh, and so it's validating the needs, the desires, the goodness of pleasure, but saying there are good ways of getting that met and then there are bad ways of getting that met. And um, since the beginning of sin entering the world, there's been kind of, if you picture pleasure as, again, like a pathway or a road, there's two gullies that we're always trying to avoid. One of them is license, where we pretty much just say, pleasure is God, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give myself permission to experience it in any way I want. There's no right. guardrail. And the other side of it is legalism, which is uh, the denial of all pleasure uh, and thinking that you're a better person if you can deny yourself um, the pleasure of good food or the pleasure of even a great relationship or of intimacy. And so a lot mm. of times we fall into that legalism when we're trying to get rid of shame. And so there are a lot of women, for example, that 
might have sexual shame in their past and they feel bad about, for example, what they did before marriage. And so without even realizing it, they punish themselves by denying themselves pleasure within marriage. Right. It's almost like penance. Yeah. And so, you know, we could talk a, a lot of different ways about how we, we all have a tendency to go one of those two directions. And even the church has a tendency to go one of those two directions, either so true. the celebration of all pleasure with no boundaries, or we're going to just view pleasure itself and desire itself as a bad thing and not a God-given thing. And so, uh, so it's a journey to say, what is the right perspective towards what pleasure is and why God created it and how we realize that every pleasure God gives us here on earth is ultimately meant to point to the greater pleasure of knowing Him. Mm-hmm. Um, and maturity is walking towards what does that look like to um, not just enjoy what He's given here, me here on earth, but at times to deny myself so I can experience the, the greater pleasure of intimacy with God, mm. um, knowing Him, preparing for eternity. And so I, I think that's a huge part of discipleship is, is really grappling with that personally. Right, right. This is so good. Oh my oh gosh! My I'm like, I, when you said, uh, Ashley, when you said the, it felt guilty to even have desire. Right. And then, and then, Dr. Julie, when you said, "Sorry, you have a doctor. I want to call you doctor. I'm so sorry. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm with so you. hard for that. Yes. I just, I just have yes. to honor you like that. Same. Um, <laughs> this, but the pendulum swing. We turn it black or white. Of you said either have license, do as you will. Like you said, that mm-hmm. cannot, that's not just sexuality, that's food, that's money, mm-hmm. spending, all of that. Right. And then you swing it to like, just don't, this is all bad. Yeah. And there's so much, There, I think both induce shame in their own way and both yeah. cut us off at the knees. And when you said, and I just feel like, oh man, I, oh, it's such a hard thing. I think so many of us, when we go in marriage and if we had shame before that, we walk in and just as you said, we feel so much shame in marriage. I, I mean, right. I'm... Lord have mercy. I think it took me five years to feel like I wasn't doing something wrong. <laughs> I've right. married five years. Yeah. You wow. guys, what? That's you know, hard. and it just is like, wow, there is that this is this is wild. I um some research that I that I had in Pray Tell was that so many women coming out of the purity movement, they had the same PTSD symptoms of those who had been sexually abused, even though they had never had a sexual encounter. Wow. Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. they had this deep, deep ideology just hammered into them that this was bad. And so even just the desire felt so guilty and that weighed them down so much that they had those symptoms. So it just, again, just this is such a necessary conversation that I think so many of us are, first of all, afraid to have because we just don't know what to make of it, especially in this day and age when people are approaching this in many different ways. Um, But what I just want to, again, circle back to what you said is any pleasure um, when it's pursued in a God-given way leads us closer to the King. It leads us closer into intimacy with Him. And isn't that the goal, y'all? Isn't that the goal? Mm. It is. I can remember at my my wedding shower, speaking of like going into marriage and learning and unlearning and all the different things, but (laughs) I remember at my wedding shower and um, I have a friend and she is just beautiful. She's a worshiper. I mean, she loves to worship God. And she's one of those people that just like, she'll just start praying out of nowhere. And it doesn't feel weird. You know, some people do that and you're like, could you not? But she's one of those people where you're like, yes. And you just suddenly you're, you feel like you're in, in front of God's presence. And I remember she was like, listen to me. 
sex is worship unto the Lord, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. wow. And it was this beautiful wow. thing. And, you know, she started describing her own experiences in marriage. And it just made my heart come alive because, you know, I was starting to trust God that that was possible. And to hear it from someone who had been married for a chunk of time and really loved her husband, really loved God, really loved sex. It was just so powerful and life-giving. And I think many people need that reminder, to your point, Tiffany. They need the reminder that, like, actually, it's such a good thing. (laughs) It really, really is. And I was so blessed to, you know, have had the past that I've had, which many of you have been listening for a while. You know about that. And um, But then to also have an experience with God's redemption and his restoration and his way of healing. And then to go to enter into marriage feeling, um, you know, like it was going to be a brand new experience and to to sort of start over again. I mean, you know, you never really get God doesn't erase our memory when we go through hell and when we experience Mm -hmm. trauma and pain, like our memory doesn't go away. But at the same time, I had this sense that um, I was being made new in this area. And to go into marriage that way was so healing and so restorative. But I think the good news is, is that God is always making us new. (laughs) So even if that hasn't been your experience before marriage, you know, it can be your experience in marriage now. It can be your experience in dating. And like healing is so possible. And so Dr. Julie, will you tell us like a little bit more about how people can heal and how they can experience that redemption and restoration from God in this area of their life, whether they're married or single? Yeah, you know, I think the the biggest way that we start is by um, pursuing truth about mm. sex. Um, and there are are some things that were said in purity culture that were true, but there were some things that were not true. And the same would be true when we look at what our culture is teaching about sex. Um, there's a lot there's a lot of lies embedded in what people believe about sex whether you grew up in the church or whether you grew just grew up being raised by the culture yeah. and so um, we're told in the scripture that Satan is the father of, of lies mm-hmm. and that lying is his native tongue right and so his work in our life always uh, shows up in the form of lies and as I work with people related to sexuality, it's always a work of, okay, what's true and what lies have you believed? And um, you know, part of what I think a lot of people don't realize is that there's a beautiful truth about sexuality in the pages of scripture that hardly anyone talks about. Mm. Uh, and I call it the biblical narrative of sexuality, but really asking the question, why does God care about sex? Why did he create us as sexual people? Um, why are there these rules in the Bible about sexual expression? And I think in purity culture, all you heard was the rules and never the why behind it. Right. And uh, and so I'll just give you a quick glimpse, but there's so much more that I think people need to learn about this. But really understanding that the primary purpose of our sexuality is for us to have a physical experience that teaches us about the nature of God's covenant love. And when we read the story of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation, that's the context in which sex is most often mentioned as a metaphor of covenant love. And uh, when I began to understand this in my own life and in my own marriage, it started to just illuminate all the beauty that God designed sex for, but also all the ways that that beauty had been tarnished in my own thinking without realizing it and even tarnished in the way that the church often presents sexuality. Uh, and so I think it's critical that we begin asking those deeper questions of, if God created everything and he created sex and he created desire, 
what is the purpose beyond, oh, we're supposed to get married and make babies? Like, what right. is the purpose of sexuality for a single woman? She still is a sexual person and has desires and longings. And again, in the pages of scripture, it really does give us purpose for that. And uh, when we have a, a purpose, it gives us a motivation to get healing. And a mm. lot of women just really don't, aren't motivated for sexual healing. They just, and right. I wasn't. I was like, well, I guess this is the best it's going to get. And uh, it, we think about sex in terms of as long as I'm not sinning, I'm okay. But it's like in marriage, you don't experience the fullness of what God designed this to be. Uh, and so my encouragement is be passionate about pursuing the fullness of what God created sex to be and understanding that it really is a spiritual terrain that unless we fight for it, then we will continue just to live by lies. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. Tiffany and uh. I are sharing a text message. Tiffany, I hope you don't uh, mind if I share this. Basically, we're talking in all caps and about how our jaws are on the floor. So, <laughs> so what she's telling you is we're completely engaged in listening, but we're totally. also texting each other in class oh while the gosh. teacher's talking. Totally. So forgive us. Mind blown. Mind blown. Yeah, and I feel like what you just shared, too, can work across the board. Like, I love this thought that when, when you have purpose is when you actually go go after healing. Like, yeah. when you, you know, um, after, I think it's Dr. Cloud who talks about how until the pain of staying the same becomes greater than yep. change, like, you won't yep. actually ever change. And that's what it feels like. It's it's this sense that, you know what, I want this to be better in my life. And, and here's why. Here's what I'm going after. Here's what I want to see in my life or in my marriage or in my relationships or integrated into my body and to my way of thinking and I really do feel like so many people stay trapped and are unable to go on this journey of recovery because they don't have purpose or because they um, you know we swing that pendulum we've become so comfortable with being either fully legalist or fully in the license that you were talking about and there's mm-hmm. no kind of middle ground I don't I think it's so hard to mind that messy middle that is a really difficult place to live where we're learning, we're growing, we're constantly, you know, wanting to experience God's wholeness and God's freedom. And we're making mistakes on both ends of the spectrum, and, but still finding that way in the middle. And I appreciate that your teaching and the way that you love people is that. And I appreciate your humility and grace that you offer people because I always want to come back to your table <laughs> That's because it just feels so welcoming and it feels so, um, it feels humble, but I also feel like oh I am in the presence of a wise sage and whatever she Mm. shares I want to hear it (laughs) and and, you know not in a obviously that's not in a pressure way but just a true thing it's it's very rare to find someone talking the way you're talking about sexuality about integration about wholeness about relationships it is so rare and I just want to say thank you (laughs) and I um one of the things I had texted Ashley during that little um behind the teacher's back text thread here is <laughs> uh, this would have changed my life in my early 20s. I can't think mm-hmm. of the he- the shortcut, the shortcut to my healing, the d- just the, the long road I took yeah. and how I could have had a roadmap sooner. And so right. I just want to encourage you listeners, if you're hearing this and this is fresh for you, or if this is something that you have buried so deep because you don't think there's hope in this area of your life and you've given up, Dr. Julie's here to help. She's here to help. Let her be that wise sage for you as she has been for us. And she's got, as we know, 10 books and a podcast. I mean, she is your resource. She is the person you've been waiting for. We are going to link to all of the goodness in the show notes. And again, I just want to say, Dr. Julie, thank you so much for joining us. Mm -hmm. This really has been just life-changing. Ashley, do you have any last questions 
for Dr. Julie before we wrap up? Oh yes, yeah, my gosh. absolutely. You know where you know where to reach me, and I'm thankful for the work that you two are doing as well. You've been on, you've both been on my podcast, and I know that God has given you each an important message for the church as well. So it's just it's a joy to connect and to serve women together and encourage them. Yes, and amen. All right, we'll see you next week. Bye bye. Hey, listeners, remember to subscribe and comment. It helps others to find the show. To learn more about Tiffany's writing, speaking, or books, visit tiffanybloom.com. To learn more about Ashley's writing, speaking, or books, visit ashabercrombie.org. See you next week.